This episode of Future Break is brought to you by Discord, the best way to keep the conversation going after the show. Join the Future Break server and you can see updates and even help contribute to the show. That's right. You can join us at discord.gg slash future break. That's again, discord.gg slash future break. We'll see you there. Hey, I'm Serge. And I'm Peter. And you're listening to Future Break. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Future Break podcast, part of the Podglomerate Network. And this is the podcast where we talk about emerging technology, human behavior, and what it all means for the future. And today, we're talking about the gig economy. That's gig, G-I-G, right? G-I-G. I do Your a lot next of gig. I do a lot of gigs. Do you do a lot of gigs, Peter? <laughs> I, I feel like that's all I do now. <laughs> We're excited for this one, folks, because this is our first, believe it or not, first interview episode that we're doing. Absolutely. So huge um, milestone for us. We've we've always kind of toyed with the idea of doing um, interviews, and this came along perfectly. And so we, um, we're excited to talk to Sarah Kessler, who is going to be kind of diving into this topic a little bit and and educating all of us. Um, yes. And if you don't know what the gig economy is, stick around. Stick around. You're going to you're going to learn what it is. You're so. totally gonna, <laughs> totally going to learn about it. So, um we recorded this episode with Sarah on the line, and so we're just going to kind of play that here in a sec, but again, want to just to call out and uh thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Absolutely. I know that um we've been looking at some stats recently and just we just so love seeing the numbers <laughs> go up. Pretty, Is that selfish? No, that's fine. I'm pretty I mean, sure. I'm pretty sure on December <laughs> twenty was it sixteen? We had no clue. Yeah, no clue. Yeah, we we were happy that we had like three of our friends listen to our <laughs> mixtape episode. But yeah, uh, yeah, we're so glad that you stick around with us every week Man. or every other week. And um, yeah, we're just again so grateful for your listenership. Uh, we got other interviews, hopefully in the in the hopper that we're trying to get um, get ready to go as well. So keep your eye out for that. But without further ado, let's jump into the interview. All right. Well, we are joined by Sarah Kessler, who is actually our first interviewee, and we are <laughs> super excited. Um, so let's just kind of dive into to this topic here. Sarah, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm honored to be your first interviewee, first of all. Um, but other than that, um, I'm an editor at Quartz, and I have a book coming out called Gigged, The End of the Job and the Future of Work, uh, which is all about the gig economy. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome. <laughs> yes, we, we made sure to give that little plug about gig economy before the show. Yeah. So, I mean, for what it's worth, there's, I know there's going to be some listeners who don't know what the gig economy is. So I, I would love to hear your breakdown of that. Yeah, so you wouldn't um, be alone. This is something that people argue about a lot, actually. When people say the gig economy, they often are talking about totally different things. Um, so one, one thing they're talking about is apps like Uber, where um, a lot of these on-demand apps uh, for deliveries or Uber or house cleaning... Uh, they go out and they push your job to a freelancer who can then come and do work. Um, so that's that's one definition. Um, other people mean kind of all freelancers. 
which is a much bigger group. Um, and as many as one in three people in the United States and EU have done some sort of freelance work. And then other people talk about this kind of more general category that freelancing fits into, which is companies hiring people who aren't uh, their direct employees to do work. And that includes things like temp workers and contract workers. Okay. That makes it's funny, you're you're talking to somebody who now just really completely realizes he's he's very much a part of the gig economy. I am pretty much a straight up contract worker now for people. So but um I'm curious. I know there's been some you, you've kind of pointed out the fact that there are people in Silicon Valley or the tech sphere, let's just say that much, that really are excited for the gig economy and think this is a great, great thing. And I think and is there, but I get the feeling there's some pushback from some other places. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I, I first kind of got into this topic um, in 2011 when I was working at a tech blog. And part of my job was interviewing two or three startups every day. And um, I started hearing this pitch for startups that had made kind of apps for finding work about how it was going to be... Um, kind of the end of our problems at work, both if you were, you know, tied to your desk and you didn't want to be there from nine to five, you could find work whenever you wanted and it would fit in between, you know, taking care of your children and going back to school or starting a band or whatever your thing was. Which, um, which all sounds like really fun, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, so, you know, I'm like 22 and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, great. Um, yeah, let's, let's skip right to that. Um, and, and then on top of that, you know, this would solve unemployment and, you know, in 2011, the economy was still recovering. It was hard for people to find jobs often. And so yes. now we can just press a button, work for Uber, find mm -hmm. a freelance job. This will be great. Um, so then I got older and I was like, wait a minute, does this actually work? Um, and I tried it for a magazine article. I took a month and tried to uh, make money on all these apps. And I found that even kind of being somebody who has a college degree, um, who like has a job writing persuasively, you know, a lot of this is writing to people and telling them why you should have the job. Um, I, I had a lot of trouble. So I was like, well, it's maybe more complicated. Um, can you yeah, can go ahead. Here. Can you go into that a little bit? Like how did you um was there a criteria that you had for yourself to get into these um into these gigs, I guess? Or was it just kind of like, oh, I'm just gonna find something that seems interesting to me? So you have to remember this was still kind of in the age where technology was synonymous with progress. And so there were a lot of companies making this claim. Um, you know, freelancing really isn't a new thing. Outsourcing right. isn't mm -hmm. a new thing. But there's this kind of collective pitch that Silicon Valley was making. Um, and so I, I mostly worked on platforms that had made this pitch in one way or another, said they were revolutionizing work. Um, and that was things like TaskRabbit. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tried, you know, signed up for some virtual assistant gigs, um, all sorts of stuff. I mean, dog walking. There's a platform for teaching classes. Um, wow. Yeah. So you, you, you really did run the gambit on that stuff. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, go ahead. Sorry. So then kind of the next stage of, of that was this backlash from... Uh, 
you know, a lot of it was coming from like labor unions or kind of reports of people being mistreated in the gig economy and kind of this is the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody, so you kind of have these two sides and I wanted to see what it looked like in the lives of people who are working this way. And that's kind of where the book came from is I ended up following the lives of people who were in very different situations um, over two or three years and you know, how their, how the gig economy worked for them, depending on where they were. Um, because I wanted to know more about what it might mean. Um, you know, there's lots of white papers and, uh, press releases about it, but like, what does it actually look like and how is this actually going to impact lives? Do you see, um, that, that, I mean, that's super interesting just to follow, like you were saying, to follow a couple people and just kind of see their experience. I think we all, we all know maybe a person or two that's, you know, driving for Uber or Lyft or like doing some, I know, I know someone that's actually, um, doing like temp work for Amazon where they'll just deliver packages. Um, Oh yeah. And so you're kind of (laughs) like, you know, there's some people that are are in a way addicted to this. They're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I do this and then I do that and then I do that, Mm -hmm. but then I can, you know, do my uh, classes or, or like do my activity that I want to do it at, at the time I want to do it. So, um, how do you think that that has progressed from 2011 to, uh, where we're at now? So that's an interesting question. Um, there's a lot of data out there that suggests it's growing, the government has not released data on kind of this type of worker since 2005, but they're going to again on Thursday. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but they, um, yeah, they only look at if it's your main job and it was your main job the week that they called you. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit more of a small definition. Um, and, and I think you're right. Kind of, there are a lot of people doing this and really having a good time doing it. Um, kind of when I was following these people's stories, Um, and you can see it in the data too. There are different groups of people. Um, and some of them, like if a, if a Silicon Valley entrepreneur who had programming skills or an Ivy league MBA quit their job and joined the gig economy, it would be a lovely story. You know, they would make, um, and I followed one actually, you make, you know, you make $12,000 a month instantly and you, Mm, um, can work whenever you want and it's great. And you don't have to worry about things like not having health insurance because you can afford to buy your own and you don't have to worry about things like not having a paid lunch break because you're getting paid, you know, a thousand dollars an hour. Um, so it looks a little bit differently if you are living paycheck to paycheck and kind of, this is the only work that you can find or you're, you have a job that doesn't pay you enough and you're doing this as a second thing. Um, and so I guess that would be a difference I'd really highlight. So, I feel like a good question. Then, and obviously, well, I didn't know that it's come out on th- this Thursday. But um, when it comes to the gig economy, I mean, who who do you think it works for, and who do you think it doesn't work for? So, I'd say it works really well if you have a way to compensate for the like lack of stability and security that you might find otherwise. So if you can pay for things like health insurance or you're married to someone with health insurance, um, Mm. if you have the means to, you know, save for retirement on your own and, um, 
kind of aren't being aren't likely to be mistreated by your employer have some market power where that's not a problem and you don't need to unionize and you know to protect yourself um you know it looks good and there's lots of freelancers who are happy and you can find them everywhere and kind of characterizing all of this as a sweatshop is not right um and then i'd say it works less well for the people who um don't have those things and you know a lot of people who aren't making you know twelve thousand dollars a month um will say that they really like working in a flexible way and they like that opportunity and independence but they always have this kind of uh thing on the back of their mind of like oh but like if something bad happened i wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to recover or you know 40 percent of americans can't cover a 400 hundred dollar unexpected expense um like, oh, if my client left, then I would be totally out of luck. You know, there's no unemployment insurance. Or if I wanted to have kids, this wouldn't work. If I want to retire, this won't work. Um, And so that can be a little bit of a different story. This episode of Future Break is brought to you by Discord, the best way to keep the conversation going after the show. Join the Future Break server and you can see updates and even help contribute to the show. Yeah, this is, uh, this is one of our favorite new features, Peter. Um, we can log into Discord and uh, as we release episodes, as the weeks kind of progress, we can actually interact in a, in a really awesome way with you, the listener. Absolutely. Um, we've got some really good uh, <laughs> feedback lately and some good um, just even suggestions from, from some of our listeners. So... That's definitely the place to be. If you guys want to get some input, uh, we would love to. Um, we would love to ha- keep that conversation going. So, how do you how do you get on Discord? Yes, you can head over to our server, discord.gg forward slash future break, and it's just simple as that. So, discord.gg slash future break, and we'll talk to you after the show. Check us out. You know, I, I had a question. Who, who do you think that the economy, that this gig economy benefits more? Does it benefit more the the person that's looking for, you know, like you were saying, that flexible time? Or does it benefit the company? Because you've got companies like Uber that, you know, I mean, let's let's face it, it's a taxi service, right? And it's like, they don't have to buy the taxis. They don't have to do the oil changes. They don't have to get the you know, licenses and certificates that other taxi companies do. But, you know, in a way, they kind of get this this labor force that um, does a lot of that work for themselves in a way. Yeah, no, it's definitely, there's a huge incentive to hire people who aren't employees. And it's because it's between 20 and 30% less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think about all of the, you know, the benefits and the, the regulations that you have to follow. Um, the other advantage for employers, and this is true of, you know, temp workers and contract workers too, is that you have um, flexibility, total flexibility when you have that kind of workforce. You can, if, you know, your business circumstances change, it's really easy to get rid of them or hire more of them quickly. Um, and that's appealing to a lot of companies. Um, you don't want to have people sitting around 
you know, paying them when there's not enough no. work to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say companies are benefiting from this in the more highly paid version of this. Like there are a lot of doctors that are freelancers, for instance, um, you know, advertising really? creatives. Wow. Yeah. You go, a lot of them compensate with that. higher that wages. Really just shocked me there <laughs> we just kind of look at each other like, what doctors? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, How does that, what is it? What do they do? If, if you know, if you know the details on that, like do they actually, go from hospital to hospital or. I'm not, I, I actually don't know a ton about the doctor specifically, but it's something that was kind of interesting that I learned um, and did not expect. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that, you know, that you see it, my wife is a, is a surgical nurse. And now that you say that, it does remind me that they'll have surgeons come into their place and do operations, but they also go down the street and do sur- surgeries at a, at their own little facility or something like that. Hmm. I mean, so, huh. I mean, yeah, I guess that makes, I never thought of it like that, but yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah. And there's really nothing that says that um, employees can't have total flexibility. Mm. There are actually a lot of companies, well, not a lot of companies, but a few companies who tried this trend of allowing employees to work whenever they wanted. Um, There's no law that says you can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's just that kind of workers don't usually find that in a traditional job. Yeah. Like like a banker couldn't do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like you need to have somebody at the window. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we're open from uh, you know nine a.m. to <laughs> nine seventeen. Then we're off for three hours, and then we'll you know. So it'd be yeah. kind of complicated, I think. Yeah. So I think a good question that comes along with that then is, um, I mean, when it comes to traditional companies, then and I think about this. There's a lot of, from what I understand, there are back in the day, especially when millennials were just starting to enter the workforce. There was this concept of there's people like talking like, what are we going to do? This is a completely different type of workforce mentality. And I've heard stats that say that by 2025, I don't know if this is right or not, but 75% of the workforce could be millennials. I mean, what are, I mean, how are traditional, I guess, companies you think approaching um, this, I mean, what they're seeing with like Uber to, you know, and also thinking about the fact that, millennials or could potentially make up the majority of the workforce in just a little bit of time. And I think that it's, it's tempting to kind of frame this as a millennial thing. And I think there are surveys that have suggested like it's important to millennials to be able to work flexibly and independently. Um, but I think the data suggests there's actually a large number of older people working this way too, like over 55. Um, and if you look at, uh, I don't know which data you're looking at, but in general, I think people are expected to continue to work much longer than they did in the past yeah, because they're healthier for longer. <laughs> right. You yeah, know, I heard somebody uh, yeah. use the phrase the 60-year career the other day, mm-hmm. which kind of sounded crazy. But if you're expected to live till 100, mm-hmm. maybe that's what you have. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that the uh, idea that you would work less than a traditional job for longer um, makes sense in that context too. Yeah, that's, that's, I think it, I mean, as you, hmm. even if you're doing this, you know, you kind of have this like reward, like, Oh, let's say I'm an Uber driver. I've dropped off, you know, a couple of people already today. I'm doing this after my, you know, traditional nine to five job, but I want to keep doing it because I'm, you know, I'm flexible or have the, the available free time to do that. And so, um, 
are you seeing are we are we seeing um other companies or other like just to kind of go off of peter's point you know innovating in that sense like you know our cpas let's just say trying to innovate in this in this field or is this really geared towards more like the high tech like the disruption industries oh yeah there's there's an app where you can hire a cpa for sure um (laughs) and there's an app for that (laughs) there's an app for that yeah cpa is on demand um and i don't so it might not look like an app in all industries but like for instance you'll hear about um, companies firing everybody and then the next day hiring them as a contractor. Yes. Yeah. Which is a version of this. Um, you know, one of the people I followed in my book was a contract. He worked in his home in rural Arkansas and he answered phones for Sears, but he didn't work for Sears. He worked for a small business that um, had a contract with a call center company that had a contract with Sears. So that made him a contractor to a contractor to a contractor to Sears. Yeah. I'm the, um, to the regional and, manager, right? It's, it's, yeah. And so that part's not new. Like companies have been like realizing that it's easier to have people who aren't employees for a long time, you know, for a variety of reasons. But I, I do think that technology, you know, kind of way beyond Uber and Uber somewhat demonstrates this can create new ways uh, for people to, for companies to do that. Yeah. Are traditional companies fighting back? Um, and I am, I'm asking that really is because we, so we're in South Dakota and we recently just got Lyft. Um, we don't even have Uber here yet in Sioux Falls, but well, we have Uber is approved, but it's not, oh, okay. they've not okay. pushed the heat live here. Got to talk to the mayor about that. I guess, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, what's happened is we've had, um, about eight taxi companies actually shut down because of uber um and i'm kind of curious like are traditional agencies that are not or not agencies but companies that are not looking towards this gig economy or participating in are they are they doing anything to um i don't know curtail this a little bit or, or I don't disrupt know the, it maybe yeah, disrupt I, it in yeah. a different way you know it's kind of um like I, I feel that almost every large company does this in some way. Like most of those taxi companies probably didn't have employees. Um, they probably also had freelancers. Mm-hmm. They just didn't just, dispatch them in yeah, the same way. Yeah. Um, but so, so that's one end just that this is probably happening everywhere. And I think most, most companies use freelancers or, temp work or contractor like in some way like you know facebook Mm -hmm. um has these highly paid engineers who they give free lunch to and um you know i think the latest thing is that they can take um extended periods of leave if they lose a loved one but then they also have you know janitors who are employees of a contract company who don't have any of those benefits or um you know, the people who work in cafeteria in the cafeteria. Uh, so it's just this whole other part of their workforce and they're not Uber, but they're participating in this kind of part of the workforce. Interesting. Yeah. Would you say, and then oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. The other thing I think is that if everybody's doing this and making these choices, it's hard to compete with companies who aren't, uh, who 
and not do that. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess, (laughs) how would I say that? Is it almost like if, if, if you're in an industry and all of a sudden one of your competitors is like, you know what, I'm going this route. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I'll go straight up drastic as we're going to fire every, fire everybody and then hire them back as contract workers. But, um, that really starts to move that direction. Um, and I don't, like I said, I know this is maybe theoretical at best, but does, does that tend to just dramatically impact that industry quickly? I mean, I know, I know we always talk about Uber and I think that's, I don't know if that's just a, just example everybody talks about, but I mean, is there a situation where, you know, when, a, when one of these companies, I mean, quite frankly, like that CPA concept starts going down that route. Yeah. That it just yeah. starts to change that industry dramatically. And you almost kind of have to, as a, maybe even as a company approach it like that moving forward. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in industries. Um, but there's not great data on it. I would love to know how many um, freelancers, how how many freelancers like the advertising agency has hired in the last, you know, throughout the last 10 years. I bet that's increasing, but I have no idea. Um, and I think the bound on it is um, that there are rules about who you can classify as an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And in many businesses, it's important that work is done in a specific way because you want, you know, your service is your brand and you want to provide good service, which involves telling people what to do. And the thing that an Uber type management system does is kind of skirt around those laws because you're not really managing people, but you're able to using mobile phones, like say like, Hey, you'll get paid twice as much as if you work these hours and you, but, and, um, sorry, you're like, equipment doesn't quite qualify for our standards and like, Oh, if you don't show up, um, this is a cleaning company. Mm-hmm. We're going to charge you $50. Mm-hmm. And like, now we have this rating for you and you've fallen below it. So we know your performance isn't great. And so you're on probation. Um, wow. So there's all these ways to like manage people without technically managing them, which can be a way, you know, it's debatable. Obviously there are lawsuits and stuff about this right now. Yeah. Um, it can be a way to, bring more people into this category okay well i mean then yeah that's a really good really good point (laughs) uh good comparison there uh i I would say this and i'm always curious about this and and this i don't want to say this is off topic or anything like that but when when we talk about freelancers we talk about independent contractors i mean is there a truly a difference um between those two as far or is it just are they almost the same thing, essentially, I guess? Um, I'd say those words are supposed to mean the same things. Um, the, there's a difference between owning a business and um, being a freelancer. But uh, the difference between freelance and independent contract is, you know, independent contractor is the word that the government uses. Ah, uh, Okay. And I'd say that when in casual conversations, most people, when they say freelancers, they think about a highly paid professional. Um, And when they think about an independent contractor, they think about, um, you know, somebody who's been hired 
in a certain way to do hourly work. But I don't think that's a real technical difference. Okay. All right. So I wanted to kind of, um, this, this question has been, you know, as soon as we found out we're going to interview here, you, um, question that came up and just recent events, um, also propel this is we, we know that Amazon, um, you know, the, the Seattle city has decided to essentially put a, um, $250 head tax is what they call it, um, on employees. Now, if I'm Amazon, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, well, here's, you know, this huge tax bill, you know, as, as a business, they're going to, they've probably explored different ways to minimize that or, um, you know, fight it. Is that something they, that the gig economy could help a company like Amazon or what is, what does that look like if, if, if they fire everyone and rehire them as contractors? I think that they would have a hard time doing that just for, I think, uh, they would get sued. <laughs> Pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they do use a lot of temporary workers. Um, which means there's somebody else's employees and Amazon, you know, brings them in for the holiday season or mm-hmm. longer. And, um, there's that. I mean, there's also Amazon working on automating more of their packing process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which requires fewer employees. No, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. I think I heard that was like a $15 million yeah. Charge that they're going to yeah. do. Well, it's just interesting because, you know, that they they could theoretically say, okay, well, we're just going to start hiring more freelancers yeah. over, um, you know, over traditional people at the, that come to the actual headquarters or whatever. Um, but, but it's, but it's interesting to, to still think through that and the implications of that. Yeah, and part of part of the problem is that it's not super clear who is an independent contractor and who is an employee. You know, you can't there's no way for you to tell until you get sued because they look at the facts of every case. <laughs> so there's like different laws for different purposes have different definitions. Different states have different definitions. Um but there's no checklist that says, oh, okay, so you give these people uniforms. You tell them when to be there. You um, don't allow them to negotiate their wage. Okay, for sure, um, they're supposed to be an employee. You know, everything is is murky, and that adds yeah. to the problem. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Well, as we so – maybe um, – and on that note, noting the fact that there's differences in every state and things like that, um, and kind of getting towards to make sure that we kind of make sure we plug your book that's coming out here. Um, I'd love for you to talk about that, but also, I mean, is there is there something we can do to, to help make workers feel, I guess, more secure in the gig economy? Yeah, so I think that the, like, one of the weird things about the United States is that we attached kind of all of our labor protections and all of our benefits systems to a full-time job. Mm. And most countries don't do that. Um, And the reason we do it actually has to do with like inflation in World War II. Uh, Believe it or not, I won't walk you through that whole (laughs) (laughs) thing. And so if we 
didn't have that if, you know, people working in the gig economy were protected by things like anti-discrimination lawsuits or the right to unionize or, um, you know, had a chance of a lunch break or or a sick day or unemployment insurance, um, some way to get benefits like that would make it, um, you know, we would, we we would want to do that for the same reasons that we created those things for the full-time job. Right. Fantastic. Cool. Well, again, thanks Sarah for joining us. Um, this was really, this was really interesting uh, conversation and I think we, we all learned a ton here today. We're so glad you're our first guest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. This yeah. has been fun. Can you tell us a little bit about your book and when it comes out and where your people can get it? Yes. And maybe yes. social media, stuff like that. So I'm so happy you asked. Um, so the book is called gigged the end of the job and the future of work. Um, and my name is Sarah Kessler. You can Google that and you will find it quickly. And it's available for pre-order now. It'll be out next week. Woohoo. That's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're going to make sure all of our future break su- subscribers are, are definitely <laughs> getting into that book and, and, and uh, getting some more information about the economy. So, again, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been a pleasure talking Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. And uh, we hope we talk again at some yeah, point. So. Maybe. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. And we're back. There we go. Man, that was that was awesome. <laughs> Big shout out to Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Um, for, for taking the time to talk to us about that. I honestly did not know anything about the, the gig economy, but then, uh, you know, as you start talking through it, it's like, well, yeah, the, the, it's permeated through all of our society now, isn't it? Yes, uh, the I actually and I saw a diagram bef- before we started it about the gig economy. I mean, some people might ask, "Oh, where does it, the gig economy, like the name gig, come mm-hmm. from?" It's like a gig, mm-hmm. like like a gar- guitar got, gig. Like I've I'm got a guitar go gig. I've got a guitar gig, yeah. right? And it's <laughs> it's that type of phrase. Um, and uh, man, Sarah really helped me expand my mindset on this a little bit more. So, like yeah, some of the challenges totally. that are, I mean are coming with this. And uh, I love the fact that she kind of likes the fact that on Thursday, when as we are recording this right now, yep. we'll maybe learn some more information about this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, again, thanks everyone for kind of sticking around with us. Um, her book is available June 12th. Um, and you can follow Sarah on, looks like she's pretty active on Twitter. Uh, Sarah F. Kessler, so S-A-R-A-H-F Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R is her handle. Uh, We'll have a link to the book on Amazon, and we'll have a link to her social network stuff as well. Um, Yeah, and you can just get that, and and, uh, we're we're definitely fans. We're going to, I'm going to get that book because it's going to help expand even more information about us. Absolutely. No, it's called Gigged, The End of the Job and the Future of work yeah boy it's kind of funny saying that out loud because i just feel like i made it really real yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, all right well again thank you guys for uh sticking around with us we've got um some awesome episodes coming up here shortly um but you can always find us on futurebreak.net that's our site um we are also on Twitter at Future Break Pod, P-O-D, and Facebook at Future Break. But again, we love Discord. Discord is like our new thing. So 
you want to talk more, we'd love to see you on there as well. Where else can you find us, Peter? Yes, you can find us on your favorite podcast player app. There's an app for that. There is an app. There is an app for that. <laughs> There's many apps for that. Yep. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox. Uh, shout out to the CastBox listeners. Tune in radio as well. Tune in Huge radio. Shout out to you guys. Absolutely. Um, so grateful. Uh, I'm quite honestly. We always, people always ask for reviews, and as much as we love reviews, we just love it if you share the love to somebody else. Totally. That's yep. that's the best way you can ever give us a review, honestly. Absolutely. So we'd love to, love to be able to reach more people, but quite frankly, we love the fans that we have right now. I mean, yes. We, we highlighted at the beginning of the show, but we just got to say that again. We're kind of blown away. Yeah. We totally. are. We are <laughs> it's a little, little surreal. A little surreal. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. You can check us out on Discord once again at discord.gg forward slash future break. Find your next favorite podcast at The Pod Conglomerate. All right. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, everyone. Have a magical day. <laughs>